0: This is the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. Here are your hosts, Caroline Gonzalez and Ashley Amos.
1: Welcome into the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Caroline Gonzalez. I'm Ashley Amos, and we are have an exciting show for everyone today. We have in studio with us New Orleans Saints senior writer John Deshazer. We're also going to talk a little bit to. Uh, Pelicans play-by-play guy Joel Myers about the addition of David Griffin that was announced um, on Wednesday so very exciting addition for the Pelicans but first and foremost we have to talk in studio to our own beloved John DeShazer. John welcome into the studio.
2: We don't have to talk to me. We Um, (laughs) did. You you got the little intro with the tag team thing you guys been working on that? Yeah, Uh,
1: it's it's, been several weeks in the making. (laughs) It's basically down uh, (laughs) to science now. I honestly, when you said that, I kind of forgot if I let Ashley talk because it was so long ago and we just have it so down that, you know. It's, oh, yeah. it's second nature <laughs> at this yeah, point. It's
2: smooth, it wasn't like that the first time, the last time I came down So you know, <laughs> I guess you got to smooth it out.
1: Oh, yes. So, J.D., we have some things to talk about. Saints schedule release was released um, on Wednesday night. So a lot of excitement surrounding around that. Ashley put together um, an awesome video for the Saints on that. Um, and, you know, of course we have to talk about this. So first game of the season, Monday night football against the Houston Texans. Initial thought on that, that the Saints, you know, obviously have uh, Monday night football as their first game.
2: Yeah, I mean, but really for me, it's the first block, the first month when you're talking about four games uh, against all playoff teams from last year. Three of them division winners from last year. And I know, you know, the, the tendency with schedule releases is you look at the schedule. And you see what teams did last year as if there's going to be an automatic carryover Mm -hmm. to this year. Mm -hmm. So that's the danger, obviously. But that's the excitement, too, because you know last year they were good teams. Is there a guarantee that they're going to be as good this year? No. But the excitement is that you know they're starting out with, on paper, a really difficult schedule. And, I mean, really the first two games to me, maybe the first three, I, I I hesitate to say unfair. But let's think about this. You've got a Monday night game. At home against Houston, Monday night. Mm -hmm. Then you've got a road trip on a short week to L.A. to Mm -hmm. play the Rams. And a back-to-back road trip going to Seattle, which I would think more than likely that the Saints probably won't even come home, just stay out there and stay acclimated rather than come home and go through all that, you know, nonsense. So it puts the team in a really difficult situation. The first three games, I think, not necessarily an unfair advantage, but certainly, it could have been a little bit more smooth in their favor in terms of the travel, in terms of uh, the short week. So, yeah, I, I think this is part and parcel of being a, a marquee team. These are the, the obstacles that you have to overcome when you're a good team.
3: In your opinion, what is the most intriguing matchup on the schedule?
2: Well, I mean, you know, you always look at the Falcons game, and especially, I think, the Falcons game on. Thanksgiving night in Atlanta because the Saints had them here last year. So, mm-hmm. you know, they were wanting a little bit of get back. And plus, you know, you're talking about teams that can't stand each other anyway. So <laughs> so those are always intriguing to me. But, you know, you can look at several of them. Um, the rematch with the Rams, obviously, um, from the NFC Championship game. Uh, the Cowboys game. Because the Cowboys, I thought last year, were the only team that I had – kind of had their way with the Saints. Yeah, um, had our numbers. For, yeah, for, yeah, for lack of better words. I mean, I think they were the only team on the schedule last year that had the Saints number. So that's going to be the one that the Saints are going to circle and say, okay, you can say whatever you want to say. But when a team, I don't want to say dominates, but a team has its way with you, mm-hmm. you want to – measure up against that team as soon as you possibly can. So that's going to be a game that's going to be watching. Uh, the Texans coming in here on, on the season opener because they've got Deshaun Watson at quarterback. they got J.J. Watt back at defensive end, uh, Jadavian Clowney at defensive end. They are a, a really good team. They won their division last year. They're a really good team. And Deshaun Watson is the kind of player who historically has given the Saints some difficulty on defense. He is, I don't want to say a modern-day Cam Newton but he's kind of in that mold, and I think he throws it better than Cam Newton as well as is able to run it. So, you know, there there are some really good-looking games on the schedule.
3: Would you argue with how, I guess, competitive and how difficult the beginning of the schedule is that the Saints are going to have to start fast? They can't start out like they did last year?
2: Well, yeah. I mean, they you know, a fast start is always optimal. That's mm-hmm. what you want. And I think now it, it's almost imperative with this schedule because – you know, you look at it and, and it seems a little, you know, front loaded in terms of quality of opponent. Now, the, the second half of the season, unfortunately, is stacked with NFC South division rivals. Mm-hmm. So those are going to be hard games. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there are no, you know, forgive me for saying this, there are no Vanderbilts on this schedule. Forgive me, Vandy. <laughs> uh, but I mean, so, so when you talk about the back half, even when you look at, say, you know, Carolina twice on the back half, uh, you see the Falcons twice on the back half. You see San Francisco, none of those are gimmies, but it is so front loaded that I think it really is important that by the time the Saints get to the bye week, because they're gonna be pretty beat up. They're gonna go eight games deep before they get into the bye week. Mm -hmm. And it's the toughest part of the schedule on paper. So I think they really need to start fast.
1: So there are two stretches. You're talking about starting fast. There's two stretches that I was looking at, the beginning four games, and then right after the bye week, you have the Falcons, Bucks, Panthers, and then Falcons again, which, part of this schedule are you most intrigued by obviously you're coming off a bye week and then you're starting the season so which part concerns you or intrigues you the most about those two sections
2: Uh, i'm the most concerned about the front part i mean because we're talking about four playoff teams now yeah when they come out of the break those are division rivals none of those teams made the playoffs those teams will be better Mm And so we expect them to give you tough – because, I mean, that's division teams. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody in the division frightens anyone else in the division. So those are always dogfights. But coming out with four playoff teams and three of those being division winners from last year, I think you've got to get off to that, f- that fresh, fast start because what happens is you need to build up some equity in case you run into some problems mm-hmm. in the second half of the season. So if you can get to the break 6-2, and two, for instance – then you stumble a little bit coming out of the gate in, in the second half. But at least you've built up some equity where you can withstand that. The big thing about the second part of it, when you start out with those four division games, those are going to go a long way to, toward determining the division champ. And that really is the most important thing. Yeah. If you are 7-9 and nine and win your division, you're still going to the playoffs. Yeah. But if you are 11-5 and five and you don't win your division and somebody else is able to capture those wildcard spots, you don't go. So winning your division is always uh, the first order of business.
3: Are you concerned at all by the two away games to end the season?
2: Not really. Um, they're you know they're, if it if it was back to back West Coast, I wouldn't like it so much because then you're probably gonna have to stay out there. but since you know they're close enough in proximity when you're talking about Tennessee and, and, and Carolina. So'm I'm, I'm not really that that worried about it. The Carolina game very well could be. Uh, for a division championship. Um, And that's the way the NFL schedule makers have made it. They backloaded the schedules with all your division opponents. You usually finish off with a division rival. I'm surprised that the Saints for the second consecutive year are not finishing off with the Falcons. But that's neither here nor there. Um, But that could very well be a game that determines the division championship for one of these two teams. So... You know, but concerned about it? No. I mean, will they be a little bit beat up? Yeah. But it's a division rival at the end of the game. Tennessee is probably going to be a better team than they were last year. Marcus Mariota uh, is in a contract year and he's a pretty good player if he's healthy. Uh, So, you know, that was those don't concern me as much as the first four and the four coming out of the break.
1: The Cowboys are a team that I'm really excited for the Saints to play again this year, and I'm happy to see them on our schedule. Or is there a team that you that you don't see on our schedule that you kind of wish the, the Saints were going against this year?
2: Not really. I mean, the Saints and New, New England are always intriguing matchups. Uh, I'm really interested in seeing them play Chicago, to be honest with you. October 20th, we already know that uh, Cam Jordan and Akeem Hicks, two old friends, have been going back and forth a little bit on Twitter kind of yanking each other's chains. um, But I'm anxious to see the Saints play the Bears because I thought toward the end of last season, and again, there's no guarantee of carryover, but I thought toward the end of last season, the Saints defense was playing as well as any defense in the league. And the Bears probably took exception to that because (laughs) statistically they were the best defense in the league. But I thought the Saints had a seven, eight game stretch Uh, Seven, eight game stretch down the end of the season where they played as well as any team. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, those two opposing defenses in that game because you've got two defenses. If they're playing like they did toward the end of last season, that's going to be difficult to score on. And so it'll be interesting to see what the Bears have added offensively and how the Saints will counter that Bears defense because it was really good last year.
3: So originally, I think when the schedule came out, a lot of people were looking at that Bears game and saying like, oh, thank goodness it's not late in December where you have to go up in the freezing temperatures. Do you think that, I mean, obviously it was kind of a stereotype of this team that they couldn't play outside, they couldn't play in cold weather, they couldn't play in the snowy Uh, conditions obviously last year they kind of debunked that myth in the sense that they were able to win in kind of bad conditions do you think that's relevant anymore do you think when it comes push comes to shove this Saints team can win in any environment yeah
2: I think they're built to win anywhere now um especially you've got a run game now how that run game is going to be this year without Mark Ingram you add in Latavius Murray we'll have we'll have to see see. how that works out but you've got a run game you've got a good defense and those two things travel. You can win anywhere with those two elements of your or of your team. So, I think last year they were able to get rid of that. Some um, won a tough road game in Baltimore mm-hmm. uh, against a really really good defensive team. Um, won a tough game on the road down the stretch at Tampa. Um, so and won a tough game at Carolina last year. So I think a lot of that has been kind of kicked to the curb just because the Saints have. Have reconfigured mm-hmm. the way they play. Um, when it was just, you know, throw a cape on Drew and hope he you, Drew breathes and hope he can win the game for you, and you got to throw it 35, 45 times. That's a tough way to win on the road. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to control the clock. You got to be able to control the tempo. You got to be able to sometimes just basically impose your will physically on the opponent. I think now the Saints are able to do that. Now, having said all that, there's no Max Unger on the offensive line anymore. Um, Nick, Easton is out there. And Nick Eaton is out there. So, you know, how that's going to affect the offensive line, we don't know. we got to see how that unit gels now. Uh, there's no Mark Ingram, who is a really fantastic between the tackles run as well as a guy who can get outside. We don't know how that's going to affect the running game. So we're going to have to see all, how all those things fit in.
3: I feel like that's a perfect segue into talking about the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at this team has had almost – So many quote unquote losses. Do you think the Saints have been able to fill those losses or will they be able to fill those losses, especially with like a Max Unger? Obviously, that's a huge blow. Well, I
2: think they plug some holes. Now, we got to see how how Eaton is. We got to see how he works out with this line. The luxury, if you want to call it a luxury, is there's Cameron Tom and there's Will Clapp, two guys who probably are capable of playing center. But there's a reason they went out and signed Eden. So obviously they might feel more comfortable with him in that position. The Saints are going to have to find a, a backup swing tackle. Uh, Jermon Bushrod filled that role for this team last year. He's no longer here, mm-hmm. and he was a veteran guy who started several games last year. Uh, unfortunately, if, the, if there's anything we've learned the last – Three, four seasons or so is that Teron Armstead, left tackle, might not make it through. He's been injured, so you got to have somebody who's capable of coming out there and playing that left tackle. Is it going to be Andrews, Pete, and somebody comes in and plays left guard? Again, there's a lot of moving parts and pieces, but I think they did a good job in free agency in terms of addressing some of the areas they wanted to. Tyler Davidson, we know, is going to free agency, but they were able to bring in a couple defensive linemen. whose names escape me now of Mario course Edwards, <laughs> Mario Michael Edwards yeah. yeah Michael Brown and and, and Brown's going to be the big one because he's playing defensive tackle uh you start out this season with Sheldon Rankin's unable to go because he snapped that Achilles uh Tyler Davidson gone uh, we don't know David on Yamada's status mm-hmm. so Brown's going to have to play and he's going to play a lot probably immediately so how that impacts the uh, the defensive line Taylor Stalworth does come back and you know some other guys but you know, you're talking about, you know, able to fill some spots. So they were able to fill some spots. Resigning Craig Robertson uh, was big. Resigning Chris Banjo mm-hmm. was big. Uh, signing Will, Will Lutz to an extension was big as a mm-hmm. kicker because I think the Saints have a guy that they really, really like. But what are they going to do at receiver? Mm-hmm. Do they like the guys that they have? And are those guys going to be improved enough? And basically they're rolling the dice unless they pick one in, in the draft saying we think the guys that we have – are going to be better, and we think they're going to make a jump in performance to go along with what you already have in Michael Thomas because Michael Thomas needs a little bit of help. Now, is that help going to come at tight end with Jared Cook? Because he is a real legitimate dude Mm -hmm. who will make life, should make life easier Uh, just looking at his numbers. And if you put him on one side and Michael Thomas on the other, you know, you're going to have to pick your poison. Then Alvin Kamara coming out of the backfield. So there are a lot of questions that will be answered throughout training camp throughout the season. But, you know, if, if we've known anything about the saints is coach Payton and Pete Carmichael and those offensive coaches, Will figure out a way to use those offensive weapons. They'll figure out a way uh, t- for this team to score points. They not not they have not not been able to. Did I say that right? <laughs> <laughs> They've always been able to score points yeah. with Drew Brees at quarterback uh, for this team. So I expect them to do the same this year.
1: Okay, J.D. You basically went to every position at the field so there's you really nothing I, left to cover. Yeah, up. I jumped all I jumped I all job. over the place. See, that's what
2: happens when you invite me in there. I jump all over the place.
1: Great job. Well, um, the Saints don't have a pick until 62 and then it's, you know, rounds <clears throat> excuse me, 5, 6 and 7. Are you when you're approaching this draft, are you looking for players who are going to stick because if you remember last year we only have three players currently on this roster from last year's draft a lot of guys left went to other teams are you looking just for players who are going to stick and play kind of role positions for the team or are you looking for key guys uh, even in this late rounds
2: well I think it's tough to find guys who are going to start for this team or play significantly for this team. They're probably going to be more like maybe backup positions or maybe practice squad positions because this team really is established the way they are. Uh, There aren't a lot of holes to be filled. Michael Brown will come in and fill one at defensive tackle. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mario Edwards uh, will come in and and fill one at defensive end. But for the most part, if you look at the Saints roster, um, almost everybody is returning uh, intact. So there aren't a lot of starting spots, quote unquote, or a lot of, you know, big rep spots to be had for this team. And that's a good thing. Um, But you have to get some young guys also when you draft them who are capable of coming in, because this is the NFL folks get hurt um, and they get hurt often. And it's tough to make it through a season with guys not being nicked up and not having to miss some time. Uh, the Saints have been really fortunate in some areas. Um, Michael Thomas at receiver hadn't missed time. Yeah. Drew Brees never misses time. I don't know oh, what that dude can eats. Can knock but, on some wood, please. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> what that dude eats, but he <laughs> doesn't miss time. Um, Alvin Kamara misses minimal time. Ryan Ramcheck. Uh, misses minimal time if he's missed any time at all. Um, Marshawn Lattimore. So they've been really fortunate in a lot of areas. And if you want to, obviously you want to continue that good fortune. But if you can't, you have to have somebody capable of backing those guys up because you don't want the drop to be so significant and so severe that it ends up costing you uh, you along the way where you can lose a couple of games simply because you just don't have adequate guys on, uh, on the roster.
3: I found this interesting. Almost every year except for the year that he wasn't coaching, uh, Sean Payton has always traded up during the draft. Do you see a reason for us to – uh, for the Saints to? Or, and if so, what are they looking for? Or do you think it's the year to be patient?
2: Well, I personally do not see a reason to trade up. Um, that doesn't mean they won't. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think um, because I, – I, and I don't know if they have the freight – uh, to be able to move up, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to have some commodities to be able to to trade up with, and the Saints uh, don't have a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of stuff in the storehouse with that that they could use uh, to entice somebody to trade with them. Um, you know, if if I'm guessing right now, I'm thinking they might still go along the defensive line because I think there still could be some help there. Um, but in the second round, you're probably looking at, you know, I just don't know. I, I couldn't say for sure because they're set at quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater's back. Mm-hmm. I think they like what they have at running back. Um, and plus running back in the second round, you know, that's a little bit high to pick a running back unless you're sure you got the next Alan Kamara. And if you already got Alan Kamara, why are you looking to draft another Alan Kamara? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, receiver could be a spot mm-hmm. where that could be a second round spot. To me, I, I understand that they like what they have. But, you know, still you need, I think, a little bit more production there. You, you got to have somebody there who gives you that shock factor and, and Ted Ginn Jr. gives you that with a deep speed but I still think there might be a little bit of help there unless Trey Smith comes back and really you know knocks the lights out here but he had a difficult transition at some times last mm-hmm. year he had a couple of nice games but I could see the Saints going to right receiver there I could see them going along the defensive line I don't think they'll be looking at linebacker because that is a position of strength right now and I think they might be looking for some depth there but I don't think they'll be looking for somebody to come in and actually have to like do anything mm-hmm. uh, this season you can never have too many cornerbacks, defensive backs, mm-hmm. ever. So mm-hmm. that could be also another area where they where they look at because you know if Patrick Robinson comes back healthy, playing the slot, P.J. Uh, Williams is back on the roster, playing the slot. You got Marshawn, you got Eli Apple, but they could probably use a little bit more depth uh, in that position because again, you can never have too much, and guys get nicked up. And safety, uh, let's let's be honest. There's Von Bell, there's Marcus Williams. There's Chris Banjo, and there's not a whole lot more at safety Mm -hmm. beyond that. So that could be – I don't know if they want to go for safety that high, uh, but certainly that's an area that you can think about.
1: Ashley, any other questions regarding schedule release or draft? No, I think J.D.'s pretty much covered it all. J.D., so I why must... Is the expert. Yeah. Gets paid the big bucks. I must say, I'm a little disappointed I won't be at your house for Thanksgiving this year. You've taken me in under your wing, uh, and now you're going to be on the road, so I'm going to have to put in an order at Popeye's, so, I mean... Well, you know what? I mean, Popeye's <laughs>
2: does the turkeys, which are fabulous. Popeye's if you, is if, amazing. Yeah, Popeye's <laughs> yeah, is amazing, but yeah, yeah this will be... The, yeah, this this is... Man, when's the last time we were on the road for Thanksgiving? This has been a while. I'm... On one hand, I like Thanksgiving games. I just don't like being part of them. I don't (laughs) mind watching them. Uh, But, yeah, for the second year in in a row. And maybe the NFL likes the way this thing looks, where it's the Falcons and the Saints on Thanksgiving. So, you know, if they're going to make it into a a, a habitual game every year, then I guess that's okay. But, man, I I sure do like being home on Thanksgiving. So we'll see how that goes. You know, schedule makers don't ask me.
1: Well, be sure to head to NewOrleansSaints.com and SeatGeek to purchase tickets for next year. And then, of course, we'll have draft coverage beginning next week on Thursday uh, all the way through Saturday. J.D. and Sean Kelly will have a draft show for you all next week. Um, And then join us here at the Oshner Sports Performance Center for the Super Draft Boil on Saturday from 11 to 2.30. You can, again, head to NewOrleansSaints.com to purchase tickets for that. Ashley, J.D., uh, thank you guys. And I hope everyone has a good weekend and a good Easter and rest of their week, and I'll see you next week. Moving on over to the other side of the parking lot, I was able to sit down with the voice of the Pelicans, Joel Myers, for a one-on-one interview to get his thoughts on the introductory press conference of the newest executive vice president of basketball operations, David Griffin. Joel, we just came from the introductory press conference for David Griffin, and I don't know about you, but I'm ready to run through a brick wall. <laughs> I mean, that was great. He was absolutely phenomenal. You did great. Um, tell us a little bit about the background between you and David.
0: Uh, I took a lot of grief for a lot of years, believe it or not, because we we're always on the opposite side. Mm-hmm. And so when the Phoenix Suns were in their glory and running, and, and David spent 17 years there, uh, the Lakers were up and down. Uh, but there was a constant, when I'd run into David at Summer League and I'd bring up a player, he'd, give, he'd roll his eyes or he'd look at me like, you just don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Stick to announcing, okay? Call the game. And it was great because uh, he had great opinions. He's a really bright guy. Yeah, w- 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 This is a major move. Yep. The perception and the image of this franchise around the league, this commitment, it's totally changed everything for us. I mean, uh, I'm pretty psyched. It, I- and it You look at what we did last year and the fan base we have, Mm -hmm. sky's the limit.
1: Yep. And I think it's a large commitment on both ends. It's a large commitment for David because he hasn't been with an NBA team for two years now. So he wanted to find the right fit and the right team. Why do you think the Pelicans were the right fit for David?
0: Because when he sat down with them, and I know this for a fact, he let them know what he needed. He made demands. Mm -hmm. He told them, we have to up the budget in basketball ops. A lot of teams say you got to go into the luxury tax, or a lot of guys say that, and that's not necessary. You can go all the way to the lid, but you don't have to go into the luxury. At San Antonio, we can talk about a ton of successful teams. What David wants to do, though, is upgrade scouting all basketball ops, up and down, and it's really going to be healthy for this franchise so that you can take a guy in the middle of the first round, late in the first round, or in the second round, but you've invested so much in your player evaluation – that guy has a chance to stick. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that with Denver. We've seen it with San Antonio. I can go down the list. Uh, look at Doc Rivers and Shea Gilgis Alexander, who is they were taking 12, and Jerome Robinson, uh, 15. They're going to be good players. So they don't have to be the first three or four picks. And if you're taking the first three or four picks every year, you got issues.
1: Mm -hmm. And it was a, it was a large decision for David, but it was also a large decision for the Pelicans who have taken a lot of scrutiny, a lot of, um, you know, feedback on this past year and what their moves were going to be going forward. So now that I think Mrs. Benson has taken, she's moved her first chess piece. She's making her, she's made her move. Um, and she's ready to take this step with the Pelicans. What do you think, uh, the message that she wanted to portray by hiring David?
0: Uh, he is going to have, and this is the bottom line. He is going to have full autonomy.
1: Hmm.
0: He is going to be where we have been spoiled by Mickey Loomis and his staff. What the Saints have done, and their goals are championship every year. But, and I use this quote, and I'll use it again. Yes, because please do. It was this great. is what David is about. And the quote was from an interview a few months back, and they asked David what it would take. For him to get back into a front office and he said the ability to be in lockstep with ownership you want to be in a situation where everyone can be marching to the same beat moving in the same direction and believe blindly in one another end quote see that's what i'm all in and if you're not fully invested leave
1: mm-hmm.
0: if you're not all in See you. Get out. I started to be cold about that. And David's all in. Yeah. And when he went in and sat down with his, Mrs. Benson and Dennis Lausch and the ownership uh, committee, that they listened to what he had to say and it was relevant mm-hmm. and it struck a chord because now he's going to be, we're going to have equal footing on the basketball side like the football side Mm -hmm. and the support as well.
1: And you said it, and he said it today in the press conference, if you are not all in on what we are trying to accomplish, accomplish with the C word, we're not going to say, you know, the whole word with the C word, then you don't need to be a part of this. Joel, you've been involved in the NBA for a long time. You know, a lot of people, you know, the ins and outs, if it were up to you and solely you alone to hire someone for this position in the Pelicans organization, would David be the guy that you chose?
0: Well, without a doubt for this reason, David, and it really hits home, David wants to grow as a family. Mm. David wants to do it organically. David wants to draft properly. That's why player evaluation. That's why you have to have a better budget for your basketball ops. So he doesn't want it overnight. Oh, yeah, you'd like to win and you'd like to ascend properly. Uh, But David wants everybody here in, in New Orleans to be able to hang their hat on players, that they're not only here for a year or two, but you've watched them grow. They're here for years and years to come. And now their jerseys are going to be up in the rafters. Mm-hmm. And there's a history to the franchise, which we don't have. And it was interrupted. Don't forget, when it came in 02 and then Katrina and then coming back. So it wasn't always in sync. But since the Benson saved the franchise, let's be blunt about it, mm-hmm. because they did seven, almost eight years ago, now they have taken the proper steps. And they didn't rush into anything. I think it's great the way they handled it all because – their patience has paid off yes they have somebody who wants to, to grow the right way david is a perfect fit and he's a young guy he mm-hmm. could be here for a lot a lot of years to
1: come. there are a lot of dates uh, to look forward to for this pelicans franchise is there something uh, or some event upcoming that you're most specifically looking forward to uh, in this offseason
0: well i'm just uh, i'm excited about the prospects of them on player evaluation mm-hmm. and an extra set of eyes and then who is David going to bring in and add? We've already got good basketball ops people and add to that staff. And then uh, Portsmouth has been going on. Now you get ready for the combine. There's other things to get excited about. Right. And then other guys that you haven't seen. And maybe they're not guys that are prominent because they were at mid-majors, they call them, or they weren't even that high. Mm-hmm. But they're gifted, talented young men. We've seen that. A guy like Ian Clark at a Belmont. You never see Belmont on TV, do you? Right. In the flat-out play. So there are things that are developing, and then you've got the draft lottery coming up, and then you've got the draft, and then you've got free agency on the first, summer league on the fifth. It's a never-ending story. The only month off we basically get in basketball now is August. And we kind of step away, because camp now starts more in September, because the season starts in October. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you say what date, I can't wait for all of them to watch this group and what they're going to do.
1: Oh I know we'll certainly be looking, taking a close look at it, as will you. You'll be following it closely along with your show on uh, SiriusXM. So we look forward to hearing what you have to say and everything that comes along with this offseason and the future for the Pelicans organization. It's a good time for us all. Thank you. Well, exciting off-seasons for both the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. Be sure to follow all of what's going on on NewOrleansSaints.com as well as pelicans.com. Be sure to purchase those tickets online uh, through SeatGeek. And, of course, follow both teams on Saints and Pelicans on social media. Thanks to everyone for listening. We hope you all have a great weekend. Enjoy Easter. Enjoy the Crescent City Classic if you're running. Uh, looking forward to next week, you'll hear from Sean Kelly and Daniel Salerson. And, of course, we'll have draft coverage later at the end of the week towards Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Thanks to everyone for tuning in, and we'll hear from you next week.